0: section nine of sam lawson's old town fireside stories by harriet beecher stowe this librivox recording is in the public domain read by michelle fry baton rouge louisiana section nine the bullfight it was saturday afternoon time of blessed memory to boys and we were free for a ramble after huckleberries and with our pails in hand were making the best of our way to a noted spot where that fruit was most abundant sam was with us his long legs striding over the ground at a rate that kept us on a brisk trot though he himself was only lounging leisurely with his usual air of contemplation "'Look here, boys,' he suddenly said, pausing and resting his elbow on the top of a rail fence, "'we shall just have to go back and go round by Deacon Blodgett's barn.' "'Why so?' we both burst forth in eager tones. "'Well, don't you see that Deacon's turned in his bull into this here lot?' "'Who cares?' said I. "'I ain't afraid.' "'Nor I,' said Harry. "'Look at him. He looks mild enough. He won't hurt us.' Not as you knows on, said Sam, and then again you don't know. Nobody ever knows what one of them mara critters will do. They're just the most contrary critters, and if you think they're going to do one way, they're sure to do t'other. I could tell you a story now that'd just make your hair stand on end. Of course, we wanted to have our hair stand on end and beset Sam for the story, but he hung off. Lordy, Massy boys, just let's wait till you've got your huckleberries. Your granny won't like it if you don't bring her none, and, Hepsy, she'll be in my hair. What's left on it, said Sam, taking off his old torn hat and rubbing the loose shock of brash and grizzled hair. So we turned and made a detour, leaving the bull on the right, though we longed amazingly to have about with him, for the fun of the thing, and mentally resolved to try it when our mentor was not around. It all comes back to me again, the image of that huckleberry pasture, interwoven with fragrance of sweet fern, and the ground under our feet embroidered with star moss and wintergreen, or foamy patches of mossy frostwork, that crushed and crackled delightfully beneath our feet. Every now and then a tall, straight fire-lily, black, spotted in its center, rose like a little jet of flame, and we gathered it eagerly, though the fierce autumn sun wilted it in our hands the huckleberry bushes bending under their purple weight we gathered in large armfuls and took them under the shadow of the pine trees that we might strip them at our leisure without being scorched by the intense glare of the sun armful after armful we carried and deposited in the shade and then sat down to the task of picking them off into our pails it was one of those new england days hotter than the tropics not a breath of air was stirring not a bird sang a note not a sound was heard, except the drowsy grating of the locusts. Well now, Sam, now tell us that story about the bull. Lordy, Massy, how hot tis! said Sam, lying back and resting on the roots of a tree, with his hands folded under his head. I'm all in a drip of sweat. Well, Sam, we'll pick off your berries if you'll talk. Well, well, be careful you don't get no green ones in among em else you will be down on me. She's dreadful particular, she is. Everything has to be just so. If it ain't, you'll hear on it. Lordy, Massy boys, she's always telling me I don't do nothing for the support of the family. I'll leave it to you if I didn't catch her a nice mess of fish a Tuesday. I tell her folks can't expect to roll in money and allers to have everything just as they want it. We brought nothing into this world with us, and it's certain we can carry nothing out, and having food and raiment, we ought to be content. We have been better off than we be now. Why, boys, I've seen the time that I've spent 37 cents a week for nutmegs, but Hebsy ain't no gratitude. Such folks has to be brought down. Take care now, you ain't puttin' the green ones in, be you? Sam, we shan't put in any at all if you don't tell us that story. "'Lordy, Massy, you young'uns, "'there ain't never no contentin' you "'if a feller was to talk to the millennium. "'Wonder now if there's going to be any millennium. "'Wish I'd waited and been born in them days. "'Spect things would a sort of come along easier. "'Well, I shall get through some way, I suppose.' "'Sam,' said I, sitting back, "'we're putting all our berries into your pail, "'and if you don't begin to tell us a story, "'we won't do it.' Lordy, Massy boys, I'm kind of collecting my ideas. You have to talk a while to get a goin', everybody does. Well, about this here story, you remember that old brown house up on the hill there that we saw when we come round the corner? That there was where old Mump Moss used to live. Old Mump was considerable of a nice man, he took in Ike Sanders, Miss Moss's sister's boy, to help him on the farm, and did by him pretty much as he did by his own. Bill Moss, Mump's boy, he was a contrary kind of critter, and he was allers a Hector and Ike. He was allers puttin off the heaviest end of everything on him. He'd shirk his work and get it off on Ike every way he could and he allers threw it up at him that he was eating his father's bread, and he watched every mouthful he ate as if he hated to see it go down. Well, you see, for all that, Ike he growed up tall and strong and a real handsome young feller, and everybody liked him. And Bill, he was so gritty and contrary that his own mother and sisters couldn't stand him, and he was allers flinging it up at him that they liked Ike more than they did him. Finally, his mother, she said to him one day, "'Why shouldn't I?' says she, "'when Ike's allers pleasant to me "'and doin' everything he can for me, "'and you don't do nothin' but scold.' "'That there, you see, was a kind of home thrust, "'and Bill, he didn't like Ike a bit the better for that. "'He did everything he could to plague him "'and hector him and circumvent him "'and set people agin' him. "'Well, you see,' "'Twas the old story about Jacob and Laban over again. "'Everything that Ike put his hand on kind of prospered. "'Everybody liked him. "'Everybody had a good word for him. "'Everybody helped grease his wheels. "'Well, come time when he was twenty-one, "'old monk, he gid him a settin' out. "'He gin him a freedom suit of clothes, "'and he gin him a good cow, "'and Miss Moss, she knit him up a lot of stockings, "'and the gals, they made him up his shirts.' Then, Ike, he got a place with Squire Wells and got good wages, and he bought a little bit of land, with a house on it, on Squire Wells's place, and took a mortgage on it to work off. He used to work his own land late at night and early in the morning, over and above, giving good day's works to the Squire, and the old Squire, he sought all the world by him and said he hadn't had such a man to work since he didn't know when.' Well, a body might have thought that when Bill had got him out of the house, he might have been satisfied, but he wasn't. He was an ugly fellow, Bill Moss was, and a body would have thought that everything good that happened to Ike was just so much took from him, come to be young men growed up together and waitin on the gals round Ike he was pretty apt to cut Bill out. You see, though Bill was going to have the farm and all old Mump's money, he weren't pleasant-spoken, and so when the gals got a chance, they'd allers rather go with Ike than him. Finally there was Lily Sowin. She was about the handsomest girl there was around, and she had all the fellers out of her, and her way was to speak em all fair and keep em all sort of waitin' and hopin' till she got ready to make her mind up. She'd entertain Bill Saturday night, and she'd tell Ike he might come Sunday night, and so Ike he was well pleased, and Bill he growled. Well, there come along a great cattle show. Squire Wells he got it up, and it was to be the greatest kind of a time, and Squire Wells he give money for prizes. There was to be a prize on the best cow, and the best bull, and the best ox, and the best horse, and the biggest pumpkins and squashes and beets and there was a prize for the best loaf of bread and the best pair of stockings and the handsomest bed quilt and the rest of woman's work well you see there was a great to do about the cattle show and the wagons they came in from all round ten miles and the gals all dressed up in their best bonnets, and they had a ball in the evening Well, you see, it so happened that Bill and Ike, each on em sent a bull to the cattle show, and Ike's bull took the prize. That put the cap sheaf on for Bill. He was just about as much riled as a feller could be. And that evening, Delilah, she danced with Ike twice as many times as she did with him. Well bill he got it round among the fellers that the judges had been partial and he said if them bulls was put together his bull would whip ike's all to thunder well the fellers thought twould be kind of funny to try em and they put ike up to it and finally twas agreed that ike's bull should be driven over to old mump's and the Monday after the cattle show they should let em out into the meadow together and see which was the strongest so there was a sunday the bulls they were both put up together in the same barn and the agreement was they wasn't to be looked at nor touched till the time come to turn em out come sunday morning, they got up the wagon to go to meetin and miss moss and the gals and old mum they was all ready and the old yellow dog he was standin waitin by the wagon and bill weren't nowhere to be found so they sent one of the girls up chamber to see what got him and there he was lying on the bed and said he'd got a dreadful headache and didn't think he could go to meetin well the second bell was a tollin', and they had to drive off without him they never mistrusted but what twas just so well you see boys twas that there kind of sunday headache that sort of gets better when the folks is all fairly into meetin so when the wagon was fairly out of sight bill he thought he'd just go and have a peek at them bulls well, he looked, and he peeked, and finally he thought they looked so sort of innocent twouldn't do no harm to just let them have a little run in the cow yard aforehand. He kind of wanted to see how they was likely to cut up. Now, you see, the mischief about bulls is that a body never knows what they's gonna do, cause whatever notion takes em allers comes into their head so kind of sudden, and it's just a word and a blow with em. Well... He first let out his bull, and then he went in and let out Ike's. Well, the very first thing that critter did, he run up to Bill's bull full tilt and just gin one rip with his horns right in the side of him and knocked him over and killed him. Didn't die right off, but he was done for. And Bill he gin a yell and run right up and hit him with a stick. The old feller turned right round and come at him. I tell you, Bill, he turned and made a straight coat-tail, ripping and peeling it towards the house, and the bull tearin' on right out of him. Into the kitchen he went, and he hadn't no time to shut the door, and the bull out of him, and into the keeping room, and the bull out of him there. And he hadn't but just time to get up the chamber stairs when he heard the old feller roaring and tearing round there like all nature. First he went to the looking glass and smashed that all to pieces. Then he heisted the table over, and he rattled and smashed the chairs round and made such a roaring and noise you'd a thought there was seven devils there. And in the midst of it, Bill he looked out of the window and see the wagon a coming back. And Lordy Massy, he thought to himself, the bull'll kill every one on 'em. And he run to the window and yelled and shouted, and they saw him and thought the house must be afire.' fire finally he bethought him of old Mump's gun and he run round and got it and poked it through a crack in the chamber door and fired off bang and shot him dead just as miss moss and the girls was coming into the kitchen door "'Well, there was, to be sure, the abomination of desolation "'when they come in and found everything all up in a heap "'and broke to pieces, and the old critter a-kicking "'and bleeding all over the carpet, "'and Bill as pale as his shirt-tail on the chamber chairs. "'They had an awful mess on it, "'and there was the two bulls, dead and to be took care of.' "'Well, Bill,' said his father, I hope you're satisfied now. All that comes is staying home from meetin' and keepin' things temporal in your head all day Sunday. You've lost your own bull, and you've got Ike's to pay for, and you'll have the laugh on you all round the country. I expect, Father, we can coin the meat, says Miss Moss, and maybe the hide'll sell for something, says she, for she kind of felt a tender for Bill and didn't want to bear down too hard on. Well, the story got round, and everybody was a-throwing it up at Bill, and Deliley in particular, hectored him about it till he wished the bulls had been in the Red Sea afore he'd ever seen one on em. Well, it really driv him out of town, and he went off out west to settle, and nobody missed him much. And Ike, he married Lily, and they grew from better to better till now they own just about as pretty a farm as there is round." you remember that white house with green blinds that we passed when we was going to the trout brook well that there's the one end of section 9 the bullfight